A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. Welcome to the Ahsoka Podcast, where the lore hounds your guides to a galaxy far, far away. I'm John. And I'm David, and this is our coverage of the Star Wars Disney Plus series, Ahsoka, Season 1, Episodes 1 and 2. In this podcast, we are going to be focusing on contextualizing what we've seen in Episodes 1 and 2, and hopefully decode the storyline a bit. If you've got feedback, you can email us uh, to starwars at thelorehounds.com or head over to our website. And there you can either use the contact form or the voicemail feature. You can also chat with us on our Discord server. We've got a special channel all set up for Ahsoka, as well as a general Star Wars channel. We have a fun and welcoming community, and we look forward to chatting with you there. Links for feedback and the Discord are in the show notes. The Discord was hopping these last couple of days. I man. know, I know. <laughs> Ahsoka seems to be the, the hot topic of the week. Absolutely. And if it works for you, consider subscribing to our Patreon. For as little as three bucks a month, you get early and ad-free access to all of our podcasts, as well as a ton of other exclusive benefits. If you don't mind ads, you can always find us on all the major podcasting platforms as well as YouTube and Spotify. We have a dedicated Star Wars feed set up, so if you're only interested in that content, you can subscribe to just that. Or you can find our main feed where we publish everything. Just search for The Lorehounds and subscribe today. Also, maybe uh, please rate and review. Uh, ratings and reviews help our visibility, and the more people that listen, the better we're able to produce all the different projects that we got going on. This is your general purpose spoiler warning. We're going to be talking about everything related to Star Wars. And well, we are a little new to the deeper lore of Star Wars. We're big fans. We're always improving our knowledge and we're always watching all the animated series and gathering the lore to sprinkle into these episodes. Absolutely. So, you know, drop us a note if you've picked up on something that, you know, uh, we haven't learned yet or, you know, little minor corrections, things like that. We're always happy to get those things and especially read them on air. John, it's been a busy week in both of our lives. I know. Um, I know. And what better to make a busy week even busier than dropping two episodes of a <laughs> beloved and antis highly anticipated television show right in the middle of the week, a day early from the original right, schedule. Right. So um, did the hype live up to your expectations, John? 
Well, we recorded our foundation podcast the night it dropped, and we finished that at around 1030 at night. And I said to myself, I'm going to watch the first episode of Ahsoka, but not the second because <laughs> I'm too tired. Right. I watched the first one and I just went play on the second one right away. It was so good. It was exactly what I needed to decompress after a long day. It was fun. It had depth. It was great production value. It felt like movie level production value. Yeah. And Rosaria Dawson's killing it. Uh, the the actress for Sabine. I'm sure you have the actor named <laughs> somewhere, David. Somewhere. Uh, but she's, she's killing it. She's absolutely killing it. Uh, everyone's doing great. Mary Elizabeth Winstead is Hera, and she's doing great. Uh, you know, they did a fantastic job on all the casting. Uh, the dark siders are dark and scary, and the light siders are sassy and smart. And I am in for the ride. Cool. Yeah, we, I think we've got a, a little bit to talk about too before we get into the you know the episode proper. I just feel like I want to deconstruct some of all of this stuff that around it. I I had a very similar experience to you. Hit play on the first episode. My spouse and I watched it together. She dozed off a little bit, but you know, we were laying in bed and it had been a long day. We're, we're traveling right now. We're, mm-hmm. we're out of our home zone and, uh, finished the first episode. And I was like, uh, I hit play on this on the second and she's, she kind of woke up. She said, Oh, you're going to, you're going to watch second. I'm like, I, I can't avoid the internet for the whole day tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely right, have right. to watch this now. There's yep. no way. And since then, so then we watched it again last night. Um, she just kind of, I played the episode one from the beginning. She kind of kept a side eye until she got up. We got up to the parts where she missed and watched episode two with me. And uh, I even was watching a episode two a little bit more today, doing some more outlining. Um, and I think overall, I'm very happy. Jean made a comment, our, our co-host Jean from uh, MCU, he made a comment to me offline on the side about pacing because I said, was it was it a little slow for you? And he's like, no, but I think that that's deliberate. I think the, he, he was saying that the, the pacing is deliberately slow in these first two so that okay. as we ramp up towards, you know, the, the denouement, you know, maybe this is the theory is that they're, they're going to pick up the pace and they're going to start driving it a little bit faster. Okay. So when stuff really starts to jump off, it's going to feel like we're speeding up and, and we're going to go into hyperspace. Exactly. It's crazy. Kick it in Padawan. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I was, that was like my one concern was like, wow, this is really slow. But then when I was doing outlining today, some of those slow scenes are are really well earned. The the scene yeah. with Sabine and, and Huang when he's handing her the the lightsaber. I think it did need to move slow so that you you know. I, I think we're just all hop. Uh, you know, the fandom is all hopped up, right? For excitement and energy. We've gotten and, candy with the Mandalorian too much. <laughs> seriously, man. Yep, seriously, yep. it's it's almost it's not Andor. It's not Andor, and no, I don't want to. No, no, no. I do not want to spend the whole show comparing this to Andor. No. But it is, it's somewhere in between the vibe of the Mandalorian and Andor, right? Uh-huh. It's the Andalorian. <laughs> have you been saving that one all day? I haven't. I just thought of that actually. Oh, nice. That was all that, right. was, that was improv- improvised. I Most of it. my quips are just stupid shit I think of on the air. Right. 
Yeah, inspired. When you're feeling inspired, you got a mic in front of you, and suddenly you become <laughs> right. a different man. Right. Um, but yeah, it's it's got a little bit more seriousness than The Mandalorian, but it's also mm-hmm. still got some kind of lightness that I think having the animated characters come into this yeah. has given it a little bit more of that lightness. And I think they did a really good job with transitioning out of the animation into the live action. I feel all the, the the casting is really good. Obviously, Ro- yep. Rosario Dawson has been was made to play this role. I, I yep. think. Yep. Um, I cannot believe how good she's at as Ahsoka. I <laughs> oh, I just can't man. believe. It. Like she yeah. walks out in her opener where she's just like slow walking. You know, you talk about the pacing. Every step she made, I was like, "Oh, that's cool. Oh, that's cool." <laughs> yeah. She's uh, it's 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 pretty, pretty phenomenal. And then to, you know, to get the lo- the Lothcats right and to get the, the ships right. Chopper. I mean, yeah. they did a great job with Chopper. And I think, you know, one of the other things that we we should kind of deconstruct a little bit, too, is that this show, like you said, sort of with Andor and we were saying before in earlier Star Wars stuff, we were talking about Star Wars. Uh, I think it was earlier this year oh, with the Mandalorian. That there is, we're developing a different, um, different tonalities or little subgenres within the Star Wars world, right? And within the IP now. And I think one of the things that this show is trying to do a little bit is bring in some new fans because Rosario Dawson is a big name. Um, yep. Yep. Uh, Mary Elizabeth. Uh, oh, what, what's Winstead, uh, Yep. Yeah. You know, another name, right? You know, so we're bringing in some people and then folks are saying, Oh, this is a different font on the, sh- on the thing. We've got some different views. We've got some cool action stuff here. We got this badass dual wielding lightsaber, um, you know, uh, Tagruta, you know, like, what is that? Who is this? So I think it, there's some enticement. What, what did you say? What, what was that word you used? I, I bought, did I, did I mess up that word? Did you say Tagruta from oh, no. <laughs> Jedi Master Shakti. Did you make a new song? <laughs> Did you just make a little hook? I made a. I, I that's not my only soundbite. So oh, oh, you got it. Are you loaded up in the soundboard? You loaded the soundboard up. I, huh? did, I did. All right. Well, I, I got one I, you too. Know, I, I had an earworm uh-huh. of Degruda, and I was like, right. "What's that reminding me of?" And then I, 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 I I'm calling it a Sokomo. <laughs> I thought you were going to bust me for like mispronouncing. Gruda, so no, no, no. Trouble. I was just—it was my first opportunity to bring out a, a surprise. Nice, very good. I like it. Well, I've got a—I did load up a, lo- a sound bite from, or not a sound bite, but a, a sound clip for for us as well. I'll play it when we get to the right moment. It's nowhere near as creative as yours because you are. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure it's that. delightful. Uh, it, it's a very Gen Xer kind of thing. I mean, I think a lot of those, uh, my, my compatriots will, will enjoy it. But anyway, I was, um, just thinking about what the work that this show has to do, right? It's gotta be pajama Saturday morning cartoons. It's gotta get a little bit of the, like you said, the Andor vibe. It's definitely got a service, you know, the folks that have been stuck stuck with it from Mandalorian. But Mandalorian's a little obscure, right? But I think Baby Yoda brings some stuff in. But we go deep into to Mandalorian stuff. There's a lot of lore I, I don't know here. if it is obscure. I think that okay. I think the Mandalorian has been I, I've almost seen more people that are not Star Wars fans get into that than like watch 77 now for the okay. first time. You know, I I think that that has been actually a gateway show for people. Okay. 
Well, and then so is this a gateway show? And because it is picking up from the animated series Rebels in so many parts and pieces, is that a barrier to entry or can the show successfully um, translate all of that it's trying to do right, to folks right. who are just fresh to for to this uh, these storylines? Yeah, I did. I did think it could have used more onboarding. That was one of okay. my few critiques. I thought that I, I and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm hypersensitive because I do know all this and I feel like they're just confirming things I know. It's hard because we have a bias, right? We're so right. steeped in this stuff. It's hard right. to know what we don't know. Right. We literally just did an episode prepping you with the end of Rebels, <laughs> which you can go back and listen to. We won't recap yeah. the end of Rebels because you can go listen to our podcast on that right now. And uh, yeah, so it's hard to know, but it felt to me like they could have done a better job explaining how all these people know each other. Okay. And I, I thought, what did you, well, we can talk about the the, the scroll, the title scroll when, when we get to it. Um, I am loving the fact that this is kind of an inflection point show. Uh, they've really got a lot at stake, I think, with this title. Yeah. Um, and what they've done is they've given us four, the four primary characters are all women. Mm -hmm. or all female characters, right? We've got Ahsoka, we've got um, uh, uh, Morgan Elspeth, uh, Hera, and Sabine, right? Yeah. And these are our, our four antagonist protagonists. And um, maybe we don't pass the Bechtel test with all of their conversations. Oh, we got to find Thrawn. We got to find Ezra, right? You know, there's mm -hmm. there's some, you know, male characters in here. But right. that their, their agency, their their wholeness of character, their ability to, you know, wreck shop to, you know, do CSI investigations or politicking or what have you. Yep. It, it's, it's just great to see that we're breaking further and further away from the Skywalker, from the magic space boy on the desert planet, you know, and that feels really nice. I feel like after and or after Mandalorian, uh, book of Boba Fett. Well, you know, it's kind of over there, but I just suddenly feel like they've cracked open the lens a little, even wider than what we've had before. And I just, well feel like now, especially cause we might go to another galaxy, which is <laughs> very, very different. That's further than we've ever gone for sure. Seriously. Um, but then on the, at the same time, you know, Ray Stevenson, who's playing, um, uh, Balon, Balon, yeah. yeah, Balin skull, I'm so sad. Um, and if, if folks who are listening to this podcast don't realize that he passed away uh, not long ago. Yeah. And it, unexpectedly. And, and I didn't even recognize him in this role. I didn't understand who this actor was. He was so inhabiting the, the part so well. And they had a made up look. And I've no, yeah, I've known him since the HBO Rome television show. And he's just, yeah, I, I was, he's, I'm just he's sad. great in this show. I, I haven't Amazing. seen him anything else, but he's really great. Perfect. So the casting is just phenomenal. I, I just feel even Chopper, <laughs> even Chopper sounded like Chopper. Well, it is Dave Filoni as Chopper as he was in the animated series. But, you know, they translated it perfectly. I thought, oh, if it's going to get rough anywhere, maybe that that's one place. No. Oh, you mean with great. like the look? I was going to say everything. The sound, the they feel, could just, the they sound. Could just copy base that. Sure. Yeah. But the yeah. sound's got to match with the visual, right? So Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they did a really good job with Chopper. Although I, I don't 
I don't think I can recall any droid in live action that looked stupid. Okay. Yeah. No, they I usually think, do a good job with them. Yeah. Unless we're in the, in the prequel thing where things are just weird, but that's, you know what? I will take that slander and crush <laughs> it in my mind vice. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, but we've, we've moved beyond those, those days now we've, we've, we've come into our own. So what do you think of these, uh, this gray Jedi storyline? What's uh, Ahsoka, a Jedi, maybe not. You'll see why. Uh, yes. Ahsoka is not a Jedi. No, she's not. She left the order. Uh, so that's why I wrote in my little soundbite, a Jedi, maybe not. You'll see mm-hmm. why. Um, part-timer. Yeah, she's a part-timer, as Darth Maul has called her. And uh, I like it. I like it. I like how you're seeing, I think somebody on the Discord might have said this, or maybe I saw it on Reddit, but somebody was saying it's mirrors on both sides because you have oh, Ahsoka. Hugely. Ahsoka, the gray Jedi with a Padawan, and you have Balon, the dark Jedi, who's not a Sith. He's just kind of right. another gray, but on the dark side. Former uh, Jedi. Right, former They're both Jedi. former Jedi. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you have him with also an apprentice. So, you know, I, I there's this thing in the legend stories called Dark Jedi that are not Sith, but are dark side users and still consider themselves kind of Jedi. Okay. And people are saying that this is where they think they might bring that into canon. Interesting. Which will be fun. Um, the idea of a former Jedi now mercenary, I think is a, just a really cool concept. Yep. And, uh, it is very star Warsy thing to have a, a master and apprentice, you know, uh, model this duality, but, uh, this idea that Sabine and Hattie are going to have a showdown at some point, we can feel it coming, right? It's, it's, it's a big setup. Uh, I think what did I think it might have been Elisa on on Twitter was calling uh, that lightsaber battle that they had was a was a meat cute. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah, I like that. I thought it was very cute. The and then the plotting, right? This is such a simple story, you know. Find Grand Admiral Thrawn and bring him back. The the baddies are bad. The goodies are good. It's it's just what I want in Star Wars, like my middle of the road Star Wars, not the Andors and not the um, animated stuff, but the, you know, right in the middle of if was like you were saying, it's I think it does. It's it's walking that line perfectly. I, I I'm really excited that this is going to kind of scratch both sides. Yeah, I'm having a great time. I'm having a, a, an ecstatic time. The. um I have to even say the the 77 callbacks in episode one, especially the cold open stuff, didn't even bother me. <laughs> I even snarked at you about it on, uh, on the Discord. <laughs> you were like, that was great. And I was like, but David, they called back to 77 in the intro. They totally did a bunch of stuff uh, in the as, hallway. As as and the, they had a crawl into the ship, ship. coming in yep. to the hallway. I was like, this is just a recreation of A New Hope. And uh yeah, I, I mean, I, I liked it. I just yeah. thought of you. I was like, David's gonna hate this. <laughs> I, you know, I don't. And I, I guess the question is, 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 am I coming becoming too? De- am I desensitized, or have I been drinking too much of the Kool Aid? Trust your feelings. David. Or did they do it right? You know, did they actually do you know the the seventy seven member berries right? Trust your feelings one? and just enjoy what you in, want to enjoy. 
You know, it, if you, you liked know, it, it's good. Yep. And and for the deep lore fans, there is so much deep lore going on in here. I can't even begin to so much that, that you got to wear a giant rebel helmet just to fit it in your head. <laughs> That's right. And then for, for other folks, yeah, we can just cruise with it. So, all right. Yeah. I think that's enough sort of broad uh, uh, conversation for, uh, that I've, I've got. I think anything else you want to cover real quick or? No, I think we need to start talking about the series. Okay. So some production notes, like we said before, you know, we're, we're still building a lot of Star Wars knowledge. So if there's things that you could pick out or things that we, we kind of missed on, definitely let us know. Email us starwars at thelorehounds.com. Um, we do not have screener access for this, <laughs> John. Thanks, Bob Iger. <laughs> I think the the uh, the email you got back was a pretty snark response. It wasn't snark. It was just okay. very form-like. No. Cold. Yeah. Go <laughs> yeah, away. It, was, it was a form letter. Yep. So um, this podcast, we're covering episodes one and two together. And the at least for the first part, the first episode, we're going to do a lot of rather than like a scene by scene dissecting and pulling apart stuff. We're going to actually try to do a little bit of plot and lore deconstruction because there's a lot of context uh, because of the rebels animated series. So we're going to try to focus on that. That's really what I felt like the first episode was largely about. And then the second episode is a, a pretty standard uh, show, not a lot of lore, but plenty of uh, action and stuff like that. So we'll be a little bit more normal in our uh, scene by scene with that. So John, let's get going. Part one, master and apprentice thoughts on the scroll on the story scroll. I thought it was fine. I thought okay. it was good. It it leads you into what you what you need to know about these people and how they know each other. And I know I complained before about not enough of that, but this was a good start. And it it's red in color. The font is red in color, not the usual blue. Yep. And it's not tilted away and going from bottom. You know. Uh, oh, true. You know, going off into an infinity point. It's just going vertically up. So I thought those were interesting. That's interesting. To think about i didn't even think about that uh the the clone wars last couple episodes last few episodes had started with a crawl okay started with a with a crawl that was very traditional right and i wonder but it was red actually but some of it oh, was okay. red but it was the infinity point i believe right. and i wonder why they didn't do that in this that's such a star wars vibe i know it's not a movie but they've done that before so the i i wasn't half surmising that the this red or is it orange is it is it a same color as the lightsabers of Balon and and Hattie it is orange it is yeah. orange they've confirmed before the show okay it's orange the uh, lightsabers are yes because yeah, yeah. people were saying those red ones don't look right and Dave Filoni came out and was like hold on now they're not <laughs> they're <red."> orange yeah <laughs> so then I wonder that the font color of the crawl here is is you know uh is this that orangish red color that matches yeah. the lightsabers so yeah yeah it could be could yeah. be all right so we get a cold open of two robed figures who pass themselves off as Jedi to assault a new republic transport ship to free Lady Morgan Elspeth so um, this is a couple of things that we want to talk about here, who Lady Morgan Elspeth is 
And I think we, we want to talk a little bit about notes on the New Republic. Do you have anything in general to, to say about this particular aspect of the scenes before we do a little uh, lore yeah. context? I had forgotten who she was before uh-huh. I looked it up. And I was like, oh, yeah, she was in one episode of The Mandalorian. <laughs> the best episode of The Mandalorian, really, in, you know, um, in terms of episode on episode. Certainly for that season. I have to think about that, but it's a contender for sure. Sure. And yeah, so she was the one who gave Din the spear if if he would kill Ahsoka. And then they captured her anyway and got her arrested. And so it seems like this has to be not long after that, right? Correct. Yeah. But but there's debate of like, oh, is it another time? I don't know. It doesn't make sense if it's not that. Right. So as far as I can tell, I don't know from the books, but in at least in, in animated and television and movies, Lady Morgan Elspeth is a, a show creation. Um, yeah, I think long- she is. Yeah. yeah. And she is a um, subordinate of Grand Admiral Thrawn. Yes. Who and is she's our- a night sister. She's yes. a night sister of Dathomir. Which, if you don't know those, there's plenty of great Clone Wars episodes and Rebels episodes on them. Uh, they were all basically wiped out by General Grievous. Okay. During the Clone Wars. Interesting. But they were dark side force witches. Okay. But it's also made clear in other canon materials, such as the uh, Jedi Fallen Order series, because there's a canon um even though it's in video games, they've also done a book too, and it's still canon in the video games. There is a canon night sister who describes how it's not the way they use the dark side is not like traditional Sith evil. It's, okay. It's dark side, but it's less evil. And I don't know how they are running with that because that feels not very Star Warsy. Okay. But that you can use the night sister magic to be not as bad. However, it does seem like Morgan is a naughty lady. She is yes. just a, she is just doing dark side all over the place, and she is using it for evil. So now the the Night Sisters of Dathomir, the Death Dathomirians, Dathmorians, Dathomiri, Dathomiri, Maul was a Dathomiri. Correct. Yeah, he. So the males look quite different from the females, as you can tell. Right. Um, and he and Savage Opress, who was his brother, uh, they are Dathomiri males, and they. The night sisters lived apart from the males, it okay. seemed. Uh, but yeah, the the night sisters definitely ruled Dathomir. That was not a male driven society. Got it. And uh, hopefully, we're going to learn a little bit more uh, about them in the this live action scene. But yeah, so when uh, we encountered um, Morgan first, Morgan Elspeth first. She was running a planet um, and sort of extracting the natural resources. And it seems like that's her one of her things is that she is good at running industry to feed the machine that is in the, the Imperium. Everybody and loves a project manager. Who doesn't? She absolutely is a project manager of the whatever highest degree from the Project <laughs> Management Institute from the PMI. Yeah. Uh, she's got all of her certifications. Um and she, uh, I think, is going to be our tier two boss here, right? For for this, probably. For well, this we've show. also got Balon and his apprentice, who I I can never remember the name because they haven't said it in the show yet. Right, but they are. They We're going to talk about them. The name. We're going to talk about them in a second here. Mm-hmm. Um. So uh, the New Republic 
is and this is we've seen this in in some uh, sub episodes of the Mandalorian, uh, yep, and certainly, yep. um, well, let's see, Andor doesn't cover this this different time period, but right. that that the New Republic after the Battle of Yavin is very weak need in the sense that they're not very strong. They're it's they're, a bureaucracy. Let's just be honest. Well, yeah, it's a bureaucracy, but it suddenly had to go from fighting a small scale insurgent rebellion type situation to governing yeah. an entire galaxy. And yeah. they're they're struggling. Yeah. And there's a lot of imper- I mean, the imp- the empire is huge, right? And they had a huge right. amount of industry and and so they're having a hard time being able to absorb this. So, and I don't know why in New Republic uh, prisoner transports are always so slow to get to their destination that, you know, anybody can hop along and yep. grab a prisoner where if you need to get to, uh, you know, uh, some other place across the galaxy, you can, you know, you know, jump there in, within an episode. And, you know, yeah, so. yeah, it, it is kind of odd, I will say, to do these like five years after the Empire. You don't have Han or Leia or Luke involved at all. At any right. step, no one's like, yeah, we let General Skywalker know that it's it's a right. uh, <laughs> big problem. Interesting that they uh, that that it is uh, separating that we were really moving away from those those storylines. So also, why is Sabine not enrolled in Luke's school of hard knocks? <laughs> Good for her for not. She's too punk. She's too punk. That's true. She's pretty punk. All right. Uh, Ahsoka investigates the mysterious ruins and recovers a locked orb that contains the secret map. She fights off a number of assassin droids and escapes. So we have our MacGuffin. Yes. Another yeah. map. We, we've got a lot of mapping going on. In uh, Well, in- at least the map seems to have been resolved pretty quickly. Yes, thankfully. We didn't spend a whole series doing the map thing. No, or whole whole subparts of 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 mediocre movies trying right. to figure out what's going on with the map. Yeah, so, by the end of by the end of episode 2, the map thing has resolved. We got the location, we got the portal, whatever. Boom, I'm glad. Yeah, just move on. It's cool. It was some some fun stuff. Uh it was very Indiana Jones uh yeah. in this there I thought it cool looked great scenes. when it was crumbling, when mm-hmm. the uh, when the whatever it was was crumbling, whatever that so that she could get the orb. Stuff. Yeah, right. that was cool. My favorite was when she throws her lightsabers down and doesn't even touch them to spin around. You know, she's and then she pulls them back up in her hand. So that was that was good. Yeah, stuff. that was really cool. Yeah. One thing that strained my credulity, yes, was that she can solve this complicated room puzzle, but can't figure out to align. The uh, size oh, the of the orb. orb. <laughs> right. no, nobody, nobody thought to do the exact same thing you just did with the room. It's just a round Rubik's cube, you know, just twist it around a bunch until it's, you know, yeah, like was it going to break? I don't, I don't yeah. understand what I uh, that that well, did bother me a little bit for a minute, but I got over it pretty quick. The only way I could ever uh, solve the Rubik's cube when you know it was a thing back when I was in middle school because that's when it came out um, was to disassemble the Rubik's cube and then, re- and then rebuild it. <laughs> so those of us who weren't mathematical geniuses uh, just got really good at popping them apart and, and putting them back together again. Okay. Um, the assassin droids that she faces off here, we see two of these. In that foresaid uh, Mandalorian episode, and that I think both Mando, well, no, Ahsoka runs around chasing chasing them, sort of rooftop to rooftop in the in the town of the of that planet, and uh, so we're seeing a lot more of these. So it looks like these 
I, I don't think the assassin droids, these HK assassin droids are anywhere else in the Star Wars universe. So these are new for. Yeah, these, I, haven't, I haven't seen them, but for these storylines. So uh, um, I think that's great that they're bringing him in and bringing in some new stuff. And so she fights off five of those things. So when Ahsoka gets back on our ship, we meet uh, Huyang, who is a droid of some degree of age. He's been around a while, right. apparently. Right. Several thousands year of years. Yeah. Yeah. You got some details on him? Well, he was actually in a Clone Wars arc. Okay. Where Ahsoka brought the younglings to find their kyber crystals on Ilum. Okay. And then he helped them assemble them. So he was basically there would be this school bus that would take all the younglings to Ilum to get their kyber crystals. And every time they got off Ilum, they would see Huyang and Huyang would say, all right, here's your options for hilts. Here's your he would he would give you the whole spiel about how to build a lightsaber and then he would demonstrate how to do it. Okay. And then they would be able to do it. He'd give guidance. So he basically just walked the younglings through building lightsabers. That I think was his main gig. Got it. Got it. So that's cool that they're bringing him up from way yeah. back when. So and he was played by David Tennant both in the Clone Wars and here. So oh they no way! The voice actor back. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's and I love cool. David Tennant. I will gush about David Tennant all day. So I'm I'm glad I didn't recognize his voice. And and I, he's one of my favorite actors, but I didn't recognize his voice. Did not recognize his voice at all. So that's a that's a very cool little detail. All right. Yeah. So then we get the uh, title card and no opening credits. And we'll uh, we'll talk about um, the closing credits and animation maybe in a future episode because we've got a, there's a lot of deconstruction I think in that thing. Uh, but interesting that they flipped it around and put the the big animated interesting uh, effect at the the end. I also want to talk in, an, in another episode too about the little droid crawl that we get at the Lucas Arts thing where we see all the okay. different helmets. Uh we can deconstruct that. I do like that, yeah. Yeah, because we've got some new things there. So, we get now uh, Ahsoka meeting up with General Hera Sindula to investigate the salt on the transport. And they speculate on who the rogue Jedi might be. And Hera tells Ahsoka to seek out Sabine Wren to help with the map. Uh, Hera Sendula is one of the main characters from Rebels. And yep. she's a Twi'lek, right? She's a Twi'lek. She's captain of the Ghost, which is the main ship in Rebels. Okay. And she was, I, I, don't, I wouldn't say married. She was partnered with uh, Kanan who right. was a Jedi who trained Ezra and who passed away during Rebels. Right. And Kanan was a Jedi who escaped from Order 66, which we see at the beginning of the Clone Wars season one. Right. He was a Padawan during Order 66. Right. So, so his training was never complete. And then he was the master of Ezra, who this show is a, a bunch about. Who, yeah, lots and that of was masters an, and apprentices. Yes, lots of them, lots of them. So one of the interesting things that uh, I noticed here was when Ahsoka gets a radio call, they refer to her as Fulcrum. Yes, that that's a code name she's used before. Right. That was a code name she used in Rebels, and then was later used by other Rebel leaders during the Rebel show. So if you remember in um, Andor. Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Luthen, uh, Ray. Yeah, 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 yeah. Luthen's, uh, the code name that was assigned to him by the internal security folks at the empire was Axis. That's cool. 
Yeah. And so I looked up the the difference between uh, an axis and a fulcrum. And an axis is an imaginary line around which an object spins. So an axis of rotation. So uh, Luthen is at the center of other things spinning around him. Um, yeah, while a fulcrum is the support on which a lever pivots. So it's actually where force, where action is being, uh, you know, you're, tr- you're using a fulcrum to translate energy into action. Right. And right. so if I, I just love this idea that Ahsoka is a fulcrum while uh, Luthen is a, is an access. Yeah. That's so. cool. That's a good, that's a good call there. Yeah. That's a good comparison. I had a little fun nerding out today on this in between subway stops while I was trying to get internet uh, connectivity. Like looking <laughs> That's up the, the game. That's it's the better game. than it used to be. Yes, it is. Because all the stops now have uh, have Wi-Fi. So. Right. All right. Um, we should also note that Sabine was an apprentice to Ahsoka. Uh, Sabine is a punk rock artist. And the reason why, and and Mandalorian at the same time, yep. And the reason why uh, Hera said to Ahsoka, "Go go check with Sabine, your former you know apprentice," was that uh, Sabine has in the past decoded mysterious hieroglyphic artistic stuff because she's kind of this. Um, yep, she has an artsy side to her. Yeah, and Sabine being apprentice to Ahsoka, that's not something anyone's heard about before. They uh-huh. added this in the, you know, unsaid timeline between Rebels and now. So it sounds like they they are giving us new information now. There was a time when Sabine was apprentice to Ahsoka because right. we know she was trained by Kanan to wield the Darksaber. Right. And in her training with Kanan, Kanan said, stop trying to fight like a Jedi. Stop trying to fight like me fight like a Mandalorian and that like unlocked her potential. And she was able to use all the gadgets that we see, you know, Din with in the Mandalorian, the jet pack and the the Mm -hmm. spikes and whatever. Anyway, she was able to use all the, all the gadgets, go, go gadget Mando. And she was combining that with the dark saber to really like do well in these fights. And I'm hoping that now that she's got the armor on again, we're going to see some of that. And well, we can talk about it when we get to that scene and that uh, later on. But she does pretty well unarmored and uh, un unweaponed, you know, open handed against an assassin yeah. droid. So she does. She holds her own. Yeah. All right. So in this scene uh, as well, uh, Hu Yang uh, gives um, Ahsoka some ideas about who the Dark Jedi are. And he names Balin Skull, but we don't get the name of his apprentice, but the internet tells us that it's Shin Hattie. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting uh, about this, and, and this has been around, I found it originally on Wikipedia, uh, but I've been seeing it on various places and, and on uh, the uh, social media platform formerly known as Twitter, um, that Skull from Norse, mythology skull is a wolf that chases the sun mm-hmm. and hattie is a wolf that chases the moon and at some point when they catch the, the you know the the sun and the moon this causes the ragnarok the destruction of, of everything well, and maybe well, we can good. No, and so maybe we can get Marilyn uh, to to write in Marilyn Arpakila, our favorite Tolkien scholar and, and mythos expert, 
to uh, poke, poke, uh, write in a little bit about uh, Skull and, and Hattie. Um, but I think okay. it's a very cool thing. A lot of people have been reacting to this idea. And I think it's a um, maybe a nice setup so that, you know, when uh, Balin and Shin uh, achieve some objective, you know, we're going to, all hell's going to break loose. Yeah, well, that could be getting Grand Admiral Thrawn back. Exactly. And then we learn a bunch throughout these first two episodes that Balin Skull was a former Jedi master, seemed to have some connectivity with younglings. He refers to, you know, young kids at the Jedi Temple from before. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Huyang knows uh, of him. And um, so uh, I think that's going to come out more. I think that's going to be a really interesting plot line to learn more about his backstory and especially his attitudes towards uh, Ahsoka, as we saw at the end of uh, episode. Yeah, I like that. That made him a lot more complicated than I thought it would be. Right. All right, John, it's time for my sound clip. Okay, do it. Play that for me. Oh, wait, I have to do it. Yeah, I don't have that. (laughs) That's all right. Yeah, yeah, that's the vibe. <laughs> so <laughs> I couldn't help but seeing uh, uh, Sabine racing on her speeder outside of town. This is just a total Top Gun. Um, what's his name? Um, what's Top Gun's guy's name? God, my brain is shot. Um, Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise on his motorcycle, shaking his fist at the F-14 Tomcats flying away. So that's a very Gen X moment. So I, okay. I got lots All of right. vibes from that. I did love that scene, you know? Yeah. Um, how did you feel about the music there? Because that almost took me out of it. This like punk oh. rock music. Yeah. And there was a Twitter, uh, thing that I posted in the discord about who this band was and this music. I oh, was it's not a jizz band. No. <laughs> It's not a jizz band. All right. If you're if you're new to music. us, I'm not making a crude joke. <laughs> that true. is what George Lucas says the music in Star Wars is called. It's called jizz, and you can at him, not me. <laughs> right. So this song was uh, Igya Khan. That's the sn- title. I see. Yeah. And by the Illuminati Hotties. Uh, by, and I guess it's That's just by funny. one of the artists, uh, Sarah Tudzin of the Illuminati hotties. So, well, that's fun. I like it. Yeah. I mean, I, I like it for the vibe of a, of a motorcycle chase in general. Yeah. I don't know if it fit the star Wars vibe, but it ended fast enough where I was like, ah, all right, fine. Look, a, a multi, you know, a, a, a multicolored hair punk rock artist engineer is not a typical star Wars vibe either. So that's true. That's no, a Mandalorian, uh, uh, you know, quasi, she's not a quasi Jedi. I mean, she studied some Jedi, but I know I wouldn't call her Jedi. So anyway, the, the setup for the scene was, uh, that Sabine Wren ducks a ceremony commemorating the ghost crew at, uh, and at her fortitude of solid, uh, at her fortress of solitude, Sabine rewatches a hollow of Ezra Bridger. So big lore dump scene here, a bunch of stuff that we've got to talk about, um, John Lothal, what do we need to know here? That's kind of the focus of Rebels. I mean, okay. it's mostly in the first and fourth seasons, but you go there in the other seasons too. And that's where Ezra's from. And that's where he meets the other members of the ghost. Uh-huh. 
And so that's where a lot of things are happening. They brought back Ryder Azadi as the governor. Right. And that Cla- is played the- by Clancy Brown, who did the voicing of the same character right. in Rebels. Right. Clancy when he Brown was talking, is I was like long, lo- long beloved yeah. uh, character actor. He's he's awesome. Yeah. I, I was like, is that the same voice as you're yeah. talking? And then <laughs> totally. I looked it up and I was like, yeah, that's that's him. And he kind of looks like him, too. Yeah. Which yeah. Is, he does. Kind of crazy. I think they drew him to, you know, they drew his character okay. to look right that. Yeah. It's just so. interesting. I, I think they're doing that more often now, which I think is smart because you never know when something's going to go live action. Mm hmm. But yeah, the he looked very close to the character, and and if you'll remember from our Ahsoka prep, he's the one who faked a betrayal so that they could get inside the Imperial forces, which and totally then, worked on me. Yeah, yeah, I me got too. Faked out too. Yeah, his performance was really good in that, and so now we see he's succeeded as the governor, and yeah. he was governor before the Imperials too, right? And then he was he was ousted, so he's he's returned to his post as governor, maybe have more than one viable candidate Lothal, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't, uh, don't get arrested for doing anything silly with the elections or anything. So, right. Right. Yeah. So that, that's cool. Um, Ezra was an orphan living on mm-hmm. Lothal and that's Who's, when family what? was killed by the empire on Lothal. Correct. Right? Yeah. Correct. Well, that's, you haven't seen far enough into Rebels, but there's no. There's I have not completed Rebels. That. That there's correct. things yep. with that. I mean, you you know that he is actually an orphan because of the finale of Rebels, but there's there's complications with that. There's right, complications with that. Well, and all throughout the storyline, they, they he he talks about wishing to see his mom and dad, and that that's a motivation in a number of scenes. Is yeah. is his feeling? They disappeared. Of loss. That's what you know right now. Got it. Okay. Right. Fair enough. They're not in the picture. That's all we need to know here. Um, but uh, the the ghost was the ship that the that Hera ca- piloted, that Kanan was you know second in command of. Then there was Sabine, and another one was Zeb, who we saw in the Mandalorian. Correct. I was going to say he, we haven't seen Zeb uh, yet. Yeah, so he's he's the purple guy in the Mandalorian at the bar. If you missed him, he is a Lasat, which is a another people who was almost wiped out by the Empire, but. You find out towards the end of Rebels. Well, it's not not really wiped out. There's other places of Lasats too. But uh, yeah, so we haven't seen him yet. But so we know Kanan's dead. Ezra is missing and with Ron probably. And we've seen Hera and Sabine and Chopper. Right. And a lost cat. And a loath cat. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. that was the the ghost crew. And they yeah, they had this cool ship. That had a detachable shuttle uh, that they could go off on separate phantom, missions. Yep, yep. yep, exactly. And they called each other. Their code names were Spectre. So Spectre two to Spectre four come in. You know that's how they would that refer was cool. themselves. So yeah, they actually. I think they replaced the Phantom at some point, but then they say it's a new Phantom. Just, okay, uh, just <laughs> fair enough. Have fun. And uh, Ezra always had the hots for Sabine, but now he sees her like a sister. So, I, <laughs> and she said that and I was like, okay. <laughs> and now they're they're putting a lot of weight on Sabine missing Ezra, right? That's kind of what we yeah. need to know in terms of why she's looking wistfully at this hollow. Because he Ezra, yeah, I mean it was a it was a big deal to what happened and and all the just choices and everything that that went beyond went behind yeah. what happened at the end of the rebels animated series. So cliff notes on what happened at the end of the rebels animated <laughs> series. And please go back. If you want the full story, watch it and then listen to our podcast on it. The retrospective yeah. too. But 
Cliff Notes is Thrawn had the rebels cornered on Lothal. He was these are kind of spoilery Cliff Notes, right? Well, we're we're here. We're already in the post Rebels timeline now. Okay, right. So it's sorry. Yeah, we're yeah. We're spoil sorry, it, so. we did say up front we're talking about all of Star Wars, all of Star Wars. But Cliff Notes, Thrawn had everybody cornered on Lethal. Uh, Ezra, who had a connection with the Purgles, which are these space whales that can transport you through hyperspace, sent a signal for them. He went with Thrawn on Thrawn's ship. The Purgles came and latched onto the ship destroying the fleet because they have these abrasive sides and they were holding on to Thrawn and Ezra decided to stay to make sure Thrawn got taken with the Purgles to somewhere. And we know that they can go farther than the galaxy. So now we know that's how they got over in, as I would like to call Bumblefuck. Right. <laughs> it's not even timey-wimey. It's just straight up Bumblefuck. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're, we're in the Bumblefuck galaxy. Right. And uh, yeah, so a big deal for Ezra to sacrifice himself and his yeah. whole sort of arc and everything like that. So yeah, lots of emotions. So, yeah, so Sabine is hoping that Ezra lived. Now, if Ezra lived, Thrawn lived. So that's uh, that's a big problem. And uh, Lady Elspeth uh, says she, she can hear Thrawn calling to her across space and time. Right. All right. Um, speaking of Lady Morgan Elspeth, she meets with the rogue Jedis at the ancient temple uh, while Ahsoka flies to Lothal. Well, what, what's left of a temple, let's be honest. <laughs> right, what's left of the temple. One of the things that we should notice is that there is a unspeaking character here with a mask and, and sort of a, a dark visage. And this is a Inquisitor, or this yeah, particular yeah. Maroc is a former Inquisitor. John, do you have a little intel on the Inquisitors for us? The Inquisitors were Vader's uh, Girl Scouts, basically. He, they were. <laughs> well, they hey, were come his... on. Girl Scouts are tough. <laughs> don't don't uh, they don't just sell cookies, man. I know. I know. OK. Um, well, I guess you are saying that if they are Vader's Girl Scouts. Right? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. so they, they they are the junior Vader's. They were taught by Vader to use the dark side. Some of them were former younglings. Some of them were just force sensitive people he found throughout the galaxy. But they are. Evil people. <laughs> and and sometimes we know forced into the Inquisitor lifestyle through torture and then become Darksiders out of pain, basically. So it's there are, a lot of them are tragic figures. And right. we, we will see if this one is or if this one's just straight evil. And, and really used to to seek out and hunt down anyone who has any force sensitivity. Right. So, yes, that, that's a good point. They That's their mission is their function. Yeah, find find the force sensitive people and kill them. Right, so that so no one can ever rise up and, and challenge uh, the dark side, so to speak. Um, they may have missed a few. They may have missed a few. On <laughs> and Tatooine. they have these funky double sided lightsabers that can spin, as we see. Yeah, later. yeah, I love those. Those mm. are those are fun, except when they use it as a helicopter in Rebels, which still <laughs> makes me laugh every time. <laughs> All right. So I think another thing we should we should note here too that this relationship between Ahsoka and Sabine seems uh, a little bit fractious, and uh, as you said before, this is sort of a new off-screen construction, but uh, clearly something that they've built uh, in the storyline for some dramatic tension between two of our primary protagonists. Right. Yeah, and I I don't know how I feel about this. I don't know how I feel about it. Do do you like this whole like troubled apprentice thing? You know, um, it's 
it's it's it's it's pretty standard. It's 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 not groundbreaking. It, it it I get it. It I think it works. I mean, they they definitely have set up Sabine with this punk punk rock vibe where Ahsoka yeah, which, which is, tracks with her rebels personality totally and uh, Ahsoka being you know a very wise and at, you know is she at the height of her power right now probably yeah um and and really well experienced uh, um part-timer Jedi whatever you want to call her and yeah, I don't know. I can see it. I don't. I, I. I. can see them. I could see Sabine wanting to get trained, especially after Ezra's gone, and you know they're trying to you know figure themselves out. But then they just clash. They're they're two alike, so they clash, right? And I think yeah. Hera even calls that out at some point later in the episodes, where she says, "You guys were both difficult, and that's what made yeah. it work." So. She was a difficult Padawan for Anakin. You know, she was right. always getting into mischief yep. and. You know, something that I think we don't talk about enough is Ahsoka, just like Anakin, was forged in the battles of the Clone Wars. She mm-hmm. was, she became a Padawan at the beginning of the Clone Wars and fought right. the whole thing alongside Anakin. And that must have, first of all, been psychologically terrible for her, but also War. really right. developed her skills. She is a an A-plus fighter because right. she constantly had to be on her toes for her formative years. Anakin set up a whole bunch of really tough trials and tests for her. There yeah, was that one where all her clone trooper, her immediate sort of group of guys, they they all just like shot at her with the stun gun relentlessly yep. until she could beat them and dodge other things. Good thing he had her do that one. Yes, <laughs> it, it really worked. But yeah, he was a very, very, very tough teacher on her. So. Right. Yeah. But of course, we know that Ahsoka left the Jedi Order after she was wrongly accused of murder and terrorism. Right. And the Jedi uh, Council abandoned her. Then they when when she was acquitted, they said, oh, great. You can come back now. She was like, um, Ahsoka, (laughs) maybe not. You'll see why. Yeah, she was not having it. And they were all the Jedi Council was all like, oh, our bad. The force moves in mysterious ways. I know. (laughs) I know. Yeah. Yeah. And she's she's like, let me think about this middle finger. Right. Or whatever. Yeah. whatever you do in the to the Jedi Council. So good for her. And then I think it's only increased her power and her stature. Right. She by by making that choice, that really hard choice. I don't think it was that hard of a choice, actually. So, well, uh, I think it was because Anakin asked her to stay. You know, Anakin was like, please, I I need you because yeah. I struggle, too, with wanting to leave. And she goes in that moment. I know Anakin, you know, it's so she knows everybody knew. Everybody knew that Padme and Anakin were in bed every night <laughs> and nobody said anything. And right. then he became Darth Vader. And I blame everyone. Let's just be honest. <laughs> All right, so the next scene we set of scenes here we get is uh, Sabine decoding, well, stealing the uh, little map orb, decoding it and unlocking it, which is then stolen by assassin droids in a meet cute between Sabine <laughs> um, and Hattie. Hattie stabs Sabine and then flees with the maps. Um, what do we need to know? Sabine sucks at using the Force. It reminds me of Chirrut in Rogue One. Right. Uh, right. <laughs> weak force user. But uh-huh. I know Marilyn is taking issue with the word weak. She's like, that doesn't seem weak to me. You know, I'm like, yeah, but I, I mean, like in terms of battle, in terms of being able to use the force in battle, 
I right. think we can we can rate her low on the power level for that. And I think that we even had some discussion in the Discord about this maybe earlier before the season started that being able to be a good lightsaber user, especially when you're fending off blaster bolts, yep. is to use the force to anticipate a blow or a shot coming at you. And that's a really you need important your spidey part. sense. Yes. Toby Maguire is going to come and teach you the Spidey sense. That's exactly what you need. Uh, come over to the MCU podcast and we can talk about the Spidey sense. Um, so that that we learn later <laughs> that she, well, and, and I think in some Rebel episodes, right, That's this is part of the storyline is that she just tanks. I don't think they explicitly the say she can't touch the okay. force, but they certainly imply it heavily. Right. So, so interesting that, uh, you know, I believe, I mean, John Boyega's character, uh, Finn in the force awakens used a lightsaber without being a force user, which uh, people are still mad about, but anyway, right. Even, but well, then, not, not that he used it, but that they didn't develop him at all. after they, that. Yeah. Right. He got ill used, uh, by, by Lucas, um, by Disney, but you know, that this idea that you have this very, very dangerous weapon, that can, you know, it's not like a regular sword that might bounce off your, you know, leg armor right. or something like this. This thing will cut through anything. And so if you're not in tune with it, it will make you have a very bad day. Yeah. Every time I watch somebody spin one, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. And uh, so Sabine does a good job against this assassin droid and fighting Hattie, who is a very powerful uh, Padawan. Of a very powerful, you know, dark Jedi, if you will. And so for her to hold her own that well, even though she gets stabbed pretty good, um, you know, is yeah. it does say a lot. So I'll be honest, I think Shin was kind of playing with her. You think so? Toying, I think yeah, so. Having because, a fun. I mean, Sabine's fighting looked sloppy and not in a way that like it was a production issue, but it it was well played as somebody who was yes. out of practice with a lightsaber. Okay. She Got seemed it. like she was, you know, gripping it in an awkward way mm. and sort of holding it with both hands and just like doing these bare slashes instead of doing any kind of, you know, flourish with it or anything like that, doing anything unexpected. Everything felt very mechanical. Mm -hmm. It's almost like when you, I don't know if you've ever done any martial arts, David, but I, I, have. I dabbled, I dabbled in high school. I did and, as well. You know, when you first learn the kata, when mm -hmm. you first learn the forms for the kata, it's very robotic. And it's only later on that you learn to sort of do it with a little bit more grace. Indeed. And she has not gotten there. This felt right. like, you know, you've just, you know, the steps theoretically, you know, the logic behind it, but you're not, it's not natural to you. This is not an extension of your arm yet. So do you think Hottie was having, Hattie was having a little Hottie fun here? Was uh, toying with her, her new friends? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I think so. And that's why it's. Amazing. And then when she sees the ship coming, she's like, ah, time to end this. Boop. Yeah. She's like, I can't deal with that one, though. OK, yeah, <laughs> that, that's not somebody you play with. She's got two lightsabers. I got a bail. Uh, and good thing for Sabine that uh, Soka showed up when she did to get her into a back to tank, because I think a lot of people were, you know, on the internets and on the discord are like, wait a minute, that's a pretty severe wound. Uh, how yeah, did she survive yeah. that? Well, uh, Ahsoka showed up medical attention and it's a cauterized wound. Exactly. And in not in a non vital organ uh, area. So, yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. I mean, I look if, if, if Saturday she morning come around. Yeah. If she if she had not come around at that moment, then probably she would have like de decapitated her or something, you know, like something that was right, more gone. final. 
Right. But that's not what happened here. But it sets up a really great dynamic tension for these two characters. So Sabine now has a clear uh, objective of, you know, getting strong enough so that they can have a fight later on. Right. That's that's yeah. coming. Right. We That's almost guaranteed from a story. Yeah. Standpoint. Although from her character perspective, I would not expect her to be one who seeks vengeance. Not to seek vengeance, but their paths are going to cross again as a yeah, yeah, yeah. Of the story. But I, I don't think that Sabine's going to actively seek her, more seek Ezra. Right. Right. Yeah. But it's but a natural consequence. So, yeah. Um, Lothcats, a, a non sentient species native to the. Uh, it's Lothal. a cat. All right. It's just yeah. a cat. It just looks different. Did you think it was practical or CGI or a mix? Because I've seen people online comparing notes. It looked at times very practical, uh, especially with the head and the mouth movements. And then at other times, I'm, I would not doubt at all, you know, in some of the wide or medium shots where we see it, you know, it's sitting on a chair or something like that, or, you know, something where it's where there's not a direct interaction or a direct camera shot that maybe they did a little CGI yeah. to make things easy. But there was definitely it, it definitely felt practical at times. Yeah. So I, I think it is a mix. I think it's a yeah. mix. I think people were saying when it's eating, that's got to be CGI because that just it just looked very funky. Uh huh. But like in in a the way it should, you know, like it looked very like alien. Right, 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 right. So, yeah. And these Lothcats have been a, a huge fan favorite for many years. Yep, yep. The the all over Twitter or there's lots of uh, pictures of people yep, you yep. Know, posting. You can buy stuffies of these. I've, you know, <laughs> I know some people who are their families are big into into Star Wars culture and their kids have these as, you know, stuffy pets and things like that. So, yeah. Yeah, when did we start calling them stuffies and not stuffed animals? I don't know when I didn't I didn't call them anything until I had a child and then suddenly everybody was calling you them stuffies. You never have a stuffed animal as a kid? Yeah, but it was called a stuffed animal back then and then That's between what I mean. then and now between okay. the 40 years or so okay. whatever I, you know. Well, when I was a kid, which was not as long animal. ago, um <laughs> it, it was still a stuffed animal. Yeah. So I I just want to know why did we just become bad at English? I have no idea, and I just had to simply accept the fact that I'm that's just what everybody kidding. else people was call calling. it whatever you want. <laughs> call it whatever you want. We just accept with what we are given. When we become parents, there's a lot that we just have to go on faith. Yeah, with, that one's so. not worth the fight. No. All right. So uh, the last thing, like I mentioned before, we'll do some conversation of the end credit sequences because there's a lot of animation. I'm sure there's a ton of Easter eggs in that. Um, so we can deconstruct some of that stuff in a, another podcast episode, but John, I'm guessing we should probably take a break between I think now so. <laughs> <laughs> and before we get into part two or episode two toil and trouble. All right. We'll take a break and we'll be right back. Double, double, toil and trouble, fire burn and cauldron bubble. Well, I didn't know that we <laughs> Did were I surprise going you there a little the bit theater today. 
<laughs> a little bit meth, uh, uh, Macbeth for you, a little Shakespeare. Ah, we um, love a Macbeth. Are we getting a Big Mac? Um, a, a Big Mac Beth, yes, exactly. Um, a McFishwish sandwich. Um, Don't worry, it's not David Chen's podcast. We won't do a McDonald's <laughs> ad now. Thank God. Oh, ow, burn, sick burn. Um, Toil and Trouble being the episode <laughs> two, part two title. And that is um, uh, two, these two words are out of uh, a poem that the witches in Macbeth use to sort of drop this warning that M- Macbeth is in big trouble. Uh, and so it's sort of a fun thing that they named this thing yeah. given that we've got B- big trouble in little scotland right exactly that, big that's, big that's trouble that's the movie uh, in little what's the name of the planet here uh Cetos. big trouble in little Cetos. <laughs> cold open ahsoka talks with sabine in the hospital room and then skull and hattie arrive on the planet Cetos and find the reflex point you know, I really needed a sound clip of uh, of the reflex from Duran Duran. That would have been a good one. See, I don't know what that is, so I couldn't uh, do that for you. The reflex, uh, the reflex knows, uh, as do the Gen Xers. Fair uh, enough. All right. So in episode two here, I think we've got like a lot less lore that we need to deconstruct. And I think we can just do a little bit more of a uh, quick scene by scene and talk yeah. about the, the fun yeah. stuff that we liked in here. So uh, Ahsoka, it seems like she can hear Sabine's dream. And and this is part of Ahsoka's whole shtick is that she can sense sort of the little bit of past and a little bit of emotional stuff that she was able to communicate with Grogu. Right. And the Mandalorian uh, without using words and stuff. So a little creepy. Get out of my head. <laughs> I'd like to walk around in there as uh, the. That's a foundation line, by the way. So we're covering the foundation shows, if you're interested in that. <laughs> Two galaxies and a pathway. And we saw that in the last episode. So we're going to learn more about this, I'm sure. But uh, I do like the fact that, as you said, they're not mucking about with this. They're, there's a little bit of a MacGuffin. There's a fight for it. And the bad guys win at this thing. So the good guys are on their heels and needing to play catch up. So uh, very cool. But yeah, so there's some sort of connectivity between these two galaxies. Other people from the other galaxy showed up uh, here in our galaxy or the Star Wars galaxy. And on this planet, um, on uh, Cetos. Some kind of base. Yeah. Yeah, this Stonehenge thing is a, a different sort of architecture. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, but then the death of Miri seemed to know about it. Okay, so right? the Night Sister seemed right. to know about it, and I think uh, in terms of this uh, other galaxy thing, uh, we've got a, a voice clip from uh, or Elisa sent in a little bit of a lore dump. So we can we can play that at the end of the episode, but she's got some more intel, some sort of deep lore knowledge oh, for I, that. I've just updated my my lore knowledge, so don't at me. It's Dathomirian. I was okay. Wrong. <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying it's like on the office when they when they're debating what an Af- a person from Afghanistan is called, and they land on Afghanistanannies. Um, yeah well it's too late though because uh all of the people from the first half of the podcast have already sent in their their flaming right exactly exactly oh well i'll live with it 
So we get the title card, and now we get uh, Ahsoka investigating the fight at the comms tower, and then she brings back the head of an assassin droid, whom Sabine is able to access its memory core and determine determine that it came from the planet Corellia. Yeah, so Corellia, we've we've heard about that before. Have we? It was the setting of the Solo movie. Oh, you know, I think I've only seen this Solo movie once, and it was and it was a lot dirtier before. then. Yeah, yeah right. Uh, and it was long before I was interested in podcasting, so it um, I don't have, and we haven't rewatched Solo yet in our. Star Wars Film Festival run of watching all of the movies in story. Right. Order. Almost there, though. I think there. I think it's um, after Revenge of the Sith. I think it's the next one chronologically. OK. All right. Cool. I think so. So it was also in the Bad Batch in the decommissioned episode. They were sent to a decommissioning. Which season? Uh, it is season one episode six. Ooh, that was a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. So they go to Corellia to get a decommissioned droid. Like oh, not a hyperdrive droid. unit? <laughs> no. Okay. No, not a hyperdrive unit. But there is a whole Corellian deal here. Okay. So it's it's been around. It's been around. Okay. It's not a new place. Got it. Um, some nice story building here. The uh, as Ahsoka comes into Sabine's room. We get an early overhead shot uh, looking down um, and then the loft cat is there sniffing around. So it's a couple of nice clues to tell us that the assassin droid is hiding and hiding above, yeah, and, you yeah. know, is going to come down. So it's just good basic television story making. Um, and then I, I love this line uh, that, oh, the head could blow up. Uh, oh, well, we should go ahead and do that. Well, you're saying that because you're you're just a hologram. <laughs> I thought that was a, a good little bit. <laughs> yeah, of that humor. was good. That was cute. And the head looked like it actually had some serious met. Like the prop itself seemed super heavy. At least they're acting like it is. Yeah, and and so I I, I just really appreciated that practical effect of of that because yeah, that this is an assassin droid. This thing's got to be able to take laser bolt blasts and lightsabers, and so yeah. And you can sever parts of it and it stays working. Exactly. And uh, this big scene is a big setup. The scene is a big setup for Sabine, you know, for for telling us that Sabine is not only a cool punk rock artist, uh, but she's also a very skilled tech, right? That yeah, she can, I mean, she can do a lot of amazing stuff. Her big sin was creating a device that could kill Mandalorians by heating up their armors to super hot temperatures and melting them inside, Yeah, which was in an animated kids show. <laughs> May I add? Pretty horrible. What, what is the standard for ratings? I just I don't understand it. I think we have to talk about this later, too. Isn't Chopper a, a war criminal? Absolutely. Listen, <laughs> you can you can be a war criminal or commit genocide on your people and that can stay in the PG area. If you say the F word, though, right, by God, it. you will have hell up. to pay. So uh, another um, Gen X reference here. I don't know, y'all, but the device that Sabine was using, that really gave me strong vibes of the Merlin game device. I don't know if y'all remember this, that big red thing with the buttons um, I'll have to send you a picture of it, John, but it, okay, it just yeah, gave me the, 
the the same vibe. So I don't know if anybody else has got the vibes, but at me, this is a you know a valid uh, <laughs> valid question. Hit, hit me up on the Discord or send me an email if if you felt the same. So all right. All right, back on Cetos, Lady Elspeth activates the map orb, which reveals the location and pathway to the other galaxy. Yeah, uh, pretty straightforward scene. Yeah, not a lot <laughs> going on here. Yep. There's a few, a bunch of just a little stuff that I enjoyed. The um, And I think we said this before, you know, the map thing has been, we had two whole movies that involved map MacGuffins, and I'm I'm you know what actually it worked in this one this was fine it made sense to the story because it was quick and it was quick and i like that boom we don't need the map anymore right because the eye of scion's gonna go there or something well you you needed some way to say there's a reason we didn't get him before Mm -hmm. right right otherwise it doesn't make sense why you waited five years to get him right right and uh yeah they, they there's a yeah, so fair enough. Good MacGuffin. Um, I thought the green flame was very cool. That was very witchy. Oh, yeah, that's that's big on the Night Sisters. That's what they do. That's like okay. their whole vibe. And then on this planet, that that it's all this muted colors with this red trees, and then the, when the green flame popped, it really popped. It really made a, a very cool, uh, very cool color. Yeah. Um, the guards that uh, Lady Elspeth had were the same guards that she had on the planet uh, Corvus. Um, not the assassin droids, but the regular guards. So they had these sort of funky helmet, you know, face mask things and big shotgun like we- weapons. So just little little details like that. And then the pathway seems to start in the galactic center and then passes through another planet on the rim, which I'm guessing is uh, this planet Cetos, and then shoots out to a specific point on one of the outer spirals of the other planet, of the other galaxy. So I think there's some nice. deep lore, you know, buried in all of that stuff. Yeah. Although this seems to be brand new with this whole connecting the galaxies thing. That's not anywhere else that I know of in canon. And I, I when I was doing a little this and that on the internet today, I came up with something. Apparently if, if you're big on the lore, there's a whole bunch of stuff that has to do with planets and this whole, uh, what is this thing? This pathway to Perdia. So it, it seems like maybe, uh, Filoni and, um, what's his name? Um, and Favreau and Favreau have gone super nerdy and pulled together a bunch of stuff so that there's like, you know, I don't know if Perdia is an, an, an acronym or something like that, but there's a whole bunch of deep planet lore stuff going on. Okay. Behind the scenes. And I think that's just fun Easter eggs for people to, you know, to dig right. up, you know, so. Right. A couple of names that we hear, uh, the eye of Scion, which we learn later is some big crazy ship that is Scion. Gonna- by the way, did you did you nerd out on this word or should I do it? I no, you should do it. I I mean, I looked up the basic dictionary definition, but uh, tell me more. Well, that's that's what I'm mostly meaning is, you know, okay. it's this descendant kind of deal, this yes. descendant of an influential family. Right. Uh, he's the heir to the Empire, Thrawn. And so right. that's that's what uh, we're going for with that. that eye deal of there. Sion. Yeah, yep. it works. The okay, eye cool. of the the uh, of Sauron. Yep. <laughs> Somebody mentioned that too. I think they were they were joking about the Lord of the Rings vibes here. Did you catch when Skull said a new beginning? Yes, yes. So a new yeah. beginning, a new hope, 
A new hope. Yeah, I got very new hope. Uh, in my two last things, this is just another call out. Uh, the Lady Elspeth ship gave me big, strong Dune 1984 Ornithopter vibes. So I like that out. you give all the evil people their titles. Oh, thank you. But not Lady Ahsoka <laughs> Tano. No, yeah, that's true. She's just Ahsoka to, to you and yeah. I. Yeah. So, uh, but big, big Dune 84 vibes. Now, here's my last little thing on this. I, I think uh, Skull, uh, Balin Skull, mm-hmm. I think he's Gen X. And I think Hattie is Gen Z. Okay. She is very so, Gen Z. Yeah. Yeah. Very I'm just Gen getting Z. a lot of Gen Z vibes off of her. So apparently she's just looking she at- is a uh, famous Ukrainian actor. And oh, really? this is her, this is her big break in the U S but she already was a star in Ukraine. This is a great break for her. She's awesome. I'm really enjoying uh, what yeah. she's, what she's giving. And then if, if that is the case, then uh, lady Morgan Elspeth here, uh, her full title, she's got to be a boomer. Right. So, you know, when, (laughs) cause there's some definite hate vibes going between Hattie and, and Elspeth. Yeah. Right. They, they're giving each other some, some hard side eye. So, yeah, I think, um, we got this pathway to Perdia. We definitely got Purgles in the, uh, ring around the other galaxy. The space whales were Uh embedded sort of in the little thing. And then Skull definitely references children at the Jedi Temple uh, when they're talking about the pathway to Perdia as uh, some children's story stuff. So, Right. Well, he was once a child in the Jedi Temple, right? Yeah. And and, and it makes me question, I wonder if we're going to see Skull and uh, Hu Yang uh, together on, a, on screen and if they know right. each other. So, Does Hu Yang have a perfect memory? He does, it seems like. It does. So I, I guess. Um, well, but he did have to research the lightsaber. That's true. That's a good point. So I don't know. All right. Next scene, uh, Ahsoka and General Sandula meet at the naval shipyards on the planet Corellia, and they begin their investigations. Yeah. So I really like the scene. Mm -hmm. I recognize the head of the, you know, fake operation. Uh That was really an Imperial operation. He was in house. Okay. Uh, and and he was he was pretty funny in that, and he was pretty funny here. He was, you know, you can you can sense by the way he's playing it that this guy is slimy from the minute. Yes, exactly. You walk on. Well, we can make this an official inspection. All right, let's go. <laughs> let's go do this. Here we go. Uh, oh yeah, that's uh, classified. <laughs> yeah, that was a great line. And th- but Crack like I I love this is where I think that Mary Elizabeth Winstead uh-huh. sold me on Hera because before that I was like. She's she's a little mumbly. I still have that complaint. She's a little mumbly as Hera. Um, and she's not it doesn't always feel as confident, but she did feel really confident in the scene. OK. And she felt like she was really pulling the whole general card. Well, nothing's classified to me, dummy. I'm a general. <laughs> and I like that um, this character is able to be both a friend to Ahsoka and Sabine and care about her friends and be a general and have troops reporting to her and her throwing her weight around without it being a thing. I'm a general dude. Like, what do you, what do you mean? I can't see that stuff. So I really like the well-roundedness that they're, they're giving her, um, her agency as a, as a female character, which we don't see enough in a lot of shows. So, well, she and Kanan were basically mom and dad of the ghost, you know, like (laughs) if if there was ever a family conflict, they would come in and then solve it. (laughs) It's totally true. 
And then this scene of, of uh, Ahsoka and Hera talking as they're, you know, cruising on their inspection, just really great performances by both these actors and some really great chemistry between, uh, between uh, Rosario Dawson and Mary Elizabeth. Yeah. I, a question that I had was I'm curious on Hera's ship, the Phantom. There was a there's a symbol on the tail fin. I don't know if it's significant or all. I thought it was interesting. Mm, I'll have to pull that up. I'll have yeah. to pull that up. But again, the this is Finny just the shuttle know. of the ghost. Yeah, right in. No, I don't think it's I don't think it is it the same? I don't think it's the same. I think this is a different ship entirely. The the Phantom is the name of the shuttle of the ghost. Really? It looks different yeah. from the show, uh from the from the animated series. So Well, they get I told you they get a new that's and true. It is a different right. ship. Yeah, it's a right. different ship. It's not okay. like our, our, the same exact thing. Okay, cool. We'll have to look into that symbol, though. Right. Yeah, so all in all, I think this was good. It was just good, simple CSI, basic stuff. They they tell us the bad guy right up front. They, they tip off the fact that the Imperial staff aren't going to be friendly, and they tell us what the MacGuffin on this planet is, which is a hyperdrive. They play it all out. It's perfectly fine. It's great. So another quick scene uh, on Lothal. Sabine finishes her recovery and uh, Huyang has some words of advice and wisdom for her. Um, and we learn about the lightsaber was Ezra's, but that she's modified it. Mm-hmm. And we learn more about Huyang and uh, the relationship between Ahsoka and uh, Sabine. And Sabine says she quit on me. And uh, Huyang says, the past is the past, move forward, which I thought was for a droid, an amazingly wise statement. Yeah. And, you know, droidism is rampant in Star Wars, but he's he's <laughs> he's doing great. I do love that Ahsoka went back and got him. It seems like she found him and restored him. OK, I, I got that from their conversations. Maybe I'm just making that up in my head. No, that would be good. That, that's some good lore if that's the case. So I think so. OK. I do think that it is also true to Ahsoka's character, unfortunately, that she is a bit of a quitter sometimes. Mm-hmm. She not that not that she so she always does the right thing and she always does, you know, what she thinks is right. And she always makes sure that missions get complete. But she's not one to stay part of a group, I would say. OK. And her ties to people end up sometimes getting second place to the mission. Right. And so that's what's happened, I think, with Sabine here. Got it. Is that she she probably got caught up with missions and she probably got, you know, sick of butting heads with her and just kind of dipped. Right. And there's a little too hard, a little too messy, a little too complex. I got to bounce. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a shame because I think I think Sabine does have a genuine wish to learn. She just doesn't know how to, you know, she doesn't know how to submit to an authority figure. Mm-hmm. And Ahsoka doesn't know how to be an authority figure. You know, other than, yeah, other than just being in her own space. Right, right. right. Yeah. She, like she can be. She she's more of an agent than she is a manager, right? Like she mm-hmm. she wants to be on the ground. Right, she's a fulcrum. Stuff. She she's didn't fulcrum. send. Right. She didn't send anyone to go get the thing in the temple. She went to get it. Right. Yep. And I think it goes into this whole question of uh, apprentice, master and apprentice relationships. And she says this, uh, Ahsoka says this to Hera, you got to be ready to learn and you've got you've to be willing. And I think that goes into a huge part of the relationship of a master and apprentice, that an apprentice has to be coachable and has to listen to yeah. what is being taught. And if, if that is a 
difficult relationship, it's not going to to work. Right. You can't help someone who doesn't want to help themselves, right? Right. And so the coachee has to agree wisdom. to be coached, right? You got you right. gotta that's gotta be an affirmative decision. So Right. Right. Yeah. And then Hu Yang says, you know, look, the only time you're wasting is your own here. So choose what you cho- make a choice and make a choice now because this is important. And I think it's a, a really to touching chance moment. on me. You know? Very nice. Yeah. But I just thought it was a really touching moment. It was beautifully shot, them standing in front of the window when he hands the lightsaber back to her. It was just gorgeous. So yeah. I'm very happy. That was a great shot. The the I, is he practical? I don't think so. I think he's more CGI. Um, but he they're doing a great job with whatever he is. You know, it's so hard to tell the, the difference between the practical and the CGI and then the volume stuff, you know, the digital round sound, sound yep. stage that they're yep. using, especially when they were on the little, when Ahsoka and, and Hera were on the little transport going through the way the light was passing by and everything. Yep. It's getting so good when they are able to put time and, and resource into it. Right. It's hard to tell now. It, really it does is. seem like they spend a lot of time on the show. Like, it looks great. I have no visual complaints about the show. None at all. All right. In the control center, the supervisor stalls and obfuscates, but Ahsoka and Hera learn that an HK assassin droid is leaving with the hyperspace core that very moment. The Imperial sympathizers attack and Hera and Ahsoka pursue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, for the Empire, I that that was a great moment. I was <laughs> you see that guy sort of looking weird yeah, when they're yeah, yeah. talking I to tra- the droid, and he's he's like, I got to make a decision here. <laughs> yeah. Did you see the when uh, the the final uh, bad guy that they got Ahsoka force holds her, and then Hera shoots her. Hera doesn't <laughs> give a single fuck. <laughs> It was brutal. It was yeah. uh, it was like borderline war crime. <laughs> that is an execution, I would say. It was because because uh, Soka just grabs her and so she's stuck, right? And boom, yeah. shots her. So yeah, that's not great. But the leader gets to go off without dying, of course. Right. Well, he'll probably get rescued because that's just the way it happens on New Republic ships. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's what always happens. I love that there was a protocol droid actually doing protocol work that, in this episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he calls her, calls the droid over to actually like interpret, like, what's the right thing to do here? So, yeah. Did you like, uh, did you did you get up to the Ark and Rebels where they meet a protocol droid in the Empire? No, I don't think I missed. I think that must be season three. I think that's the one season I haven't watched. They basically recruit him to the rebels, but okay. he's, but he is doing inventory and he's really annoyed with Chopper messing up his inventory. Basically, that's how they meet, <laughs> but they become Fun. friends. Speaking of droids, that that an HK assassin droid had a high level security clearance to stop the protocol droid from doing its job. That's another one of these indicators that the New Republic is just lousy with uh, Imperial sympathizers and, and deep cover agents and, you know. So we, we can really see, I think Filoni is doing a lot of work here to show us how weak the New Republic is to give rise to um, uh, the New Order once uh, yeah. once things flip. So Yeah, Mon Mothma not doing a great job in her first term here. It's tough, man. It's a tough beat <laughs> that they're they're trying to do. I think didn't wasn't there a uh, uh, clip uh, or one of the little trailer? I think, I think she's in this. Yeah, sometime. yeah, at least holographically, right? So yeah, 
All right, Hera and Chopper chase the transport ship with the hyperdrive off Corellia and get a tracker on it before it escapes into hyperspace. Ahsoka fights off uh, an assassin droid and Marak, the former Inquisitor, on the surface. The Imperial sympathizers are arrested. Yeah, so great fight scene. They released this before the release of the show, right? This was that one Mm -hmm. that everybody was freaking out about. The way that she lunges into the droid and then uses the droid's force to push him forward, then puts him in the way of Marak, who then slices up the droid. Yep. Is so cool. I It's just like unbelievably cool. I watched that scene several times to understand the final bit of action. And when Ahsoka has the droid skewered, right? And when yep. Marak strikes, um, he cuts its head off, but the force of the blow forces the body, the skewered body to move along the side of Ahsoka's blade so that it rips the side of the droid out. So the the force of the blow from Merok is what causes Ahsoka's blade to rip out from the side of of the droid. Such great choreography. That's really cool. Yeah, the the choreography is amazing in this. The yeah, just just the way that that droid like crumbled looks so good in real I couldn't believe it. It was it was so good. And Rosario, Rosario Dawson has learned to move and fight like a real swords master. It is yeah. un, unbelievable how good her physicality is. She has worked her ass off and it shows. She did the yeah. work and it's great. And you also have this is probably the first character that regularly fights with two lightsabers mm-hmm. that we've seen a lot of right we saw kellerin you know in in the mandalorian but that's for like a little bit part right that's that's for a scene maybe they'll do more with him eventually but for now we got ahsoka if you want two lightsabers and i always thought it was awesome how she had the shorter lightsaber along yeah, with her yeah. long one that has always been a really cool and the way that she holds them is different than other uh than other jedi as well and I think so that's I really great that it. they 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 matched Rosario's visit uh, phys- her physicality and her what her natural fighting stance is going to be. Yeah. So that it it's natural for her and, and she can move with the power and grace that she, she would right if she were you know as as she's really right. trained. So. Yeah, you know she has a little bit deeper of a voice than a- Ashley Eckstein, mm-hmm. who plays Ahsoka in the animated series, but they they have. She's matching that tone really well, like the the sarcasm, the mm. cool, calm, collected demeanor most of the time. I I think that Rosario Dawson is doing an amazing job. I I would have never thought to cast her, but now that I see her in it, I can't I can't see anybody else. Right? Yeah, it's 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 uncanny how good she is, and the this just this badass samurai nature that she has with the two swords, the long and the short, is so good. Yeah, and the the I love the face off when she uh, sees the assassin droid in Marak. She's like, "Okay, this is a fight," you know. Yep. And then he did you see the way he unclipped his cape? He no. It, it, he unclips it, and the wind blows it back oh, okay. uh, back away yeah, from him, and right. it's just this perfect high noon gunfighter, you know, uh, thing. It was so. Yes, he got his big lightsaber energy. It was it was awesome. I think Ahsoka had him bested too. I think I think if it had yeah, gone on yeah. a few more minutes, he would have gotten his ass kicked. She's so. beaten Inquisitor before. That's how she got her current lightsabers. That's right. 
Yeah. Do you want a, a quick lore uh, reminder there? Yeah, she defeated an Inquisitor without her lightsabers and then purified the lightsabers that were the kyber crystals that were red and made them white. And that's and then she put the new kyber crystals into new lightsabers that she crafted. So nice. she's she made the, these lightsabers from an Inquisitor that she defeated. So she they should fear her. You know, it's almost like they're trophies. That's badass, right? And I just love that both uh, Hera and uh, Ahsoka just kick ass in this. Uh, and yeah. the energy of the and two, chopper. <laughs> the chopper, the energy of these two scenes, back, cutting back and forth, was just such great television, you know, production. It was, it was so fun. Yeah. No, we can't shoot it down here, <laughs> Chopper. Right? He's like, there are what's civilians, wrong with that? Chopper. <laughs> <laughs> Our little war criminal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think you you were complaining that Kanan's too mean to Chopper. And I was like, Chopper is not <laughs> someone you want to root for. I'll be honest. He's not the best droid in the world. Fair enough. I get that now. I get that now. Um, did that back of that transport ship that was carrying the hyperdrive, did that just have big Adat Walker energy for you? It just okay. looked like a ba- right. it looked like the head of of a walker. Uh, as it was shooting back. Maybe it will be one day. I don't know. Maybe anyway, they're just, it was just flying these vibes. off as ships. Vibes, vibes, and more vibes. Doesn't seem like anybody was checking on this. No. The last little vibe was when uh, Merrick was flying off and Ahsoka just ducks slightly to dodge his blade as it comes back over. She's like, nah, nah, son. <laughs> she doesn't even duck. She like barely moves. And barely age. moved. <laughs> it's brilliant. All right, Sabine reconstructs her Mandalorian armor and calls Ahsoka to tell her she's ready. She visits a mural of the Rebel crew, the Rebels crew, and meets Ahsoka for pickup. Huyang reports the tracker has been located around the planet Setos. I have a detail I want to share about the last scene before I before we talk fully about this scene. I read in the Tagruda article. Which uh-huh. I'll, I'll just, but anyway, <laughs> all right, we'll we'll stop that early. But I read in the Tegruda article that the the horns that they have on their head, which are called mantrals, so not okay. the not the leku, which are the the tails on their head, okay. but the horns on the top of their head, the little bumps, which are bigger on the men, right? Uh, they are ways that they can use echolocation to sense objects away from them. So she has extra oh, senses. Nice that could help her detect that lightsaber. So she doesn't even need the force to do that, which is cool. Right. And imagine then being able to combine the force with that. Right. You know, because you still, yeah, yeah, all together. So no wonder she's a badass. Yeah. I just, I thought that's a fun, fun detail about, you know, Jedi who are, who are Togruta, like Ahsoka and Shakti, who's mentioned in my homage song. Okay. (laughs) Um, so when Sabine is laying out her armor, one of the pauldrons, right? Those uh, pauldrons are the, sh- the cover yeah, armor yeah. for your shoulder. There's one that's a rebel symbol, but the other one I didn't recognize, but it looked very purgle, like it had a purgle on it. Oh, I got to go back and see this. You got a screen grab for me or no? No, Disney's I don't. I was on the screen grabs. <laughs> you know, one of the nice things about the Disney app, not that, the, that Disney's being nice to its writers or its uh, actors, uh, at least with the app, I could download the episode. And so on the subway home today, as I was coming from the Upper West Side to okay. back over to Brooklyn, I was able to uh, watch the episode and and take my final notes. And 
So I was, uh, I didn't ha- get, I didn't make a note of, I didn't make, I didn't have a way to do a screenshot while I was on the subway. So, cause okay. I normally do a photo of my laptop screen or my desktop screen to, to right. do that. Right. Now I gotta, now I gotta see this cause I'm, I'm a little curious here okay. about the symbol now. Let's see. I'll, I'll say while you're doing that, the, the scene of, of Sabine sitting there with her armor and the window and the lighting, that was just gorgeous. Just beautiful visuals made me very happy as a, you know, a visual image nerd person. And then I wasn't sure the dagger that she used to cut her hair, if that dagger had any particular specific significance, um, the way she was handling it, it seemed like they lingered on it a little bit more. I don't know if anybody deep lore heads, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Write into me to say if that had any particular, uh, significance. I don't know, but I have looked at the sigil on the uh, on the thing and uh-huh. on the pauldron, and it looks like that is the symbol, the sigil of uh, Clan Ren, which is her. Oh, uh, okay, that would make sense. Yeah. Okay, yeah, very cool. Yeah, so she's got one for the rebels, one for her family. I think that's okay. that's nice. Yeah, that that makes sense, right? That's that that would be an appropriate setup. So this shot of Ahsoka picking. Sabine up in front of the mural. Is that shot for shot from the last scene of rebels? I think so. I think that that's what they're doing here. So that we just, I I don't think they even knew what they were, what time frame they were looking at with that, with the, we're going to go look for Ezra in the animated, Uh but it seems like they're saying, okay, remember when she said that in rebels? Well, that's now we're doing it now. (laughs) I think they must've just laid out some, just throwing some stuff out like, oh, okay, we'll make this right. up, make this up. And then now, which is good, right? Which is what, yeah. for good creativity, you've got these constraints and you're just like, okay, we got to deal with this. How are we going to deal with it? Boom. Right, we go. right. So I, l- I like that because it was yeah. it was vague intentionally so mm-hmm. that they could later Perfect. come back and do what they wanted with it. That's right. Um, this mural that we see, uh, I've heard some folks complaining a little bit about it. It's a little too on the nose. Like if it was in the world, it should be a little different right, artist right. style. But then I've heard counter arguments, which is now nah, this is just a big old wink and a nod to Rebels animated fans. Yeah, I didn't mind know, this at all. Right. Yeah. So yeah. but I did notice when um, in this scene here at the pickup, when the when we pan back, uh, once Sabine moves forward, uh, we don't pan further back and we don't see Kanan or Zeb. The shot lingers on the frame of just Hera, Ezra, and Sabine. Mm-hmm. And they don't widen it out. Zeb's head is way higher because he's a, a tall dude, right? But yeah. they, you know, maybe, I don't know if they're, I'm seeing, you know, uh, uh, things in the shadows here that aren't there, but they yeah, certainly do yeah. just show us the, those three. So I don't know how much Zeb we're going to get. And obviously Kanan, you know, yeah, we're not getting Kanan. No, we're not getting Kanan, but Zeb. Yeah, I, it's, it's kind of, I know, I know it's fine with you. <laughs> also, Freddie Prince Jr. Is the one who plays Kanan, who voices okay. him. And he said some weird stuff about Star Wars lately, and that's left people with a bad taste in their mouth. So let's just leave him in memory. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. And Natasha Liu Bordizzo, uh, I think is how we pronounce uh, her yeah, name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's Australian, so. and uh, she's killing it here. She's awesome. I wouldn't have been able to tell she's Australian from her accent. So No, not at all. 
doing a good um, job. Yeah, I just being uh, American in Star Wars. <laughs> that's right. It, it says her filmography says Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. That's interesting. Oh, The Sword mm. of Destiny. Oh, that's a new Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon thing. Yeah, didn't they come out with one a few years ago? I never watched it. Uh, okay. I, I, I kind of didn't even know about it. So I think yeah, I was she definitely wasn't aware. in the older one. No, yeah, I was going to say she's too young to have been in the, the, the older one, I think. so. Should have put it in Stephen Anthony's remix. There, there you go. Uh, speaking of, yes, our affiliate podcast, Properly Howard Movie Reviews. Check them out. Um, all right. Uh, Lady Elspeth oversees the construction of the Eye of Scion and receives a call from Balin, who says that Ahsoka is coming. He says to kill her will be a shame. It was crazy when Balin started saying they're taking the hobbits to Isengard. <laughs> Zing! Another Lord of the Rings uh, yeah, crossover yeah. moment. Good stuff. It, it would be a real shame to kill her. You know, there's so few Jedi left. Her presence in the Force is elusive, yet her determination is vivid. I thought that was a perfect summation of who Ahsoka is. You know, there was also... I, when I first watched it, I thought he said it would be a shame to kill her. Mm -hmm. But he does not say that. He goes, it will be a shame to kill her. Oh, like, I'm nice. going to kill. I'm going to kill her. Nice catch. Nice catch. Yeah, I didn't know. I, I thought it was the other way. So oh, that's good. Yeah. So we're going to have a good fight. We're going to have a good Padawan and master uh, uh, doubles tournament here, right? So. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll tag in. I'll tag in. I need some water. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. These Jedi don't hydrate enough. When when was the last time you saw one hydrate? That's a good point. You know, maybe maybe, maybe in uh, the the, uh, the cantina. Well, or maybe they're just able. They're so one with the force that they can just draw moisture oh, out of the no, air. No, they are not. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're getting punchy here at the end of a long week and a, a long episode. Uh, that's it for this one and two. We're going to be covering this show uh, in depth. Thank goodness we have screeners for Foundation and for Wheel of Time because trying to cover three big shows in, in one week would, uh, I think, be ruinous on our lives and our relationships. So, yep. We've got a couple pieces of feedback, mostly cribbed from our Discord. So, a uh, reminder to email us at Empire. Empire? No, nope. I know what up, am I saying? Up, up. Star Wars at thelorehounds.com or hit us up on our website. There's a contact form and voicemail feature there. Links, all of that in the show notes. So Sadie on our Discord, a uh, friend of the pod, asked a question about Togruta. And I think we might have to do some more, you know, mine the uh, Wikipedia site a little bit. And I, I was on there that. a decent amount. Okay. It's, uh, yeah. So. I, I will say they are a people who apparently were once opposed to the Republic, but then eventually they got in with the Republic. I guess there was at some point a high chancellor uh, who was a, uh, a, a high chancellor. Kaj was a Togruta. Okay. Then there was a Jedi master in the High Republic era, Jorah Mali. And of course, we know Jedi master Shakti from the prequel trilogy. Right. So and then there's Ahsoka and they're from the planet Shili 
in the expansion region, which I don't really know the difference between that and the outer reach. Okay. Uh, it looks like it says on Wikipedia, it was a region of the galaxy located between the inner rim and the mid rim. Okay. So I guess a little closer than the outer rim. Now, in the physiology of their tails and yeah. horns and stuff. That's a yeah, whole they've other got thing. Leku, mm-hmm. which are the long ones on the down their back. And the, the females have longer Leku and shorter um, Montrals, which are the horns. Okay. And then the men, the men, the males have uh, longer Montrals, branchier Montrals and shorter Leku. So that's how you differentiate that. I wonder if it hurts if you get punched in your, your Montrals or your Leku. I don't know. I don't yeah, know. but they but they do seem to have cool gear to accessorize with, right? And then she's got to wear that headband thing covering her ears a little bit. Uh, so I'm not sure what's up with those. So yeah, good, good lore yeah. questions to have. Sub Zero said, uh, John David, do you guys plan on discussing how and or why Ahsoka took Sabine as an apprentice? Huyang indicated that Sabine was very little has very little force sensitivity. So what's the point of making her an apprentice? You can train her to use a saber and teach her to meditate without calling her your Padawan. And does this mean Ahsoka is calling herself a Jedi again? I'm frankly confused about the point of this plot development. Yeah, it's, it's tricky. I mean, you also, you, first of all, you have Ahsoka who was ready to rejoin the Jedi at the end of the Clone Wars. She was going to re-pledge herself to it because she had this whole arc in the last season of the Clone Wars where she said, okay, maybe the institution of the Jedi isn't the best ever right now, but I still believe in being a Jedi and helping people and being one with the light side of the Force. I believe in in the mission of the Jedi, and I hope to help it regain that mission. Uh, Unfortunately, she never got the chance to do that. She never Mm -hmm. got the chance to re-pledge before Order 66. So that's why she's not a Jedi. But she's basically a Jedi, you know, like she, she would have been a Jedi, but for like 10 minutes of screen time. And I mean, it, I think being, being a member of an order means that you subscribe to the hierarchical forms of that order. You well, follow she's spiritual, edicts. not religious. There you go. Exactly. I think that's a, that's, it's a, it's a jokey thing that you said, but that's, I think that's exactly right. Yeah. 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 yeah that's, that's, that's completely accurate. Um, Except she's very religious when it comes to no attachments, Grogu. <laughs> and Leave now your dad at home. She uh, well, you know, was Grogu ready to be trained? Uh, you know, hair. I mean, uh, Sabine makes herself ready and recognizes that, hey, you know, it's I if, if I'm going to learn from you, I've got to put myself in this position where I, it doesn't seem like Grogu was, you know, interested yeah. in that. He wanted to be great question, daddy. too. Why is she willing to teach Sabine? who does not seem to have sworn off people and still feels an attachment to Ezra. Mm, Good point. But yet she won't teach Grogu. And she knows that she's attached to Ezra because she sees the little hollow disc when she's doing her little CSI investigation at the, in the comms tower, right. To kill the assassin droid. So she knows. Right. Yeah. um, And as far as the force sensitivity, there's lower level force users who are Jedi still, you know, right. uh, it does seem like she's on the very low end of the scale, but there's not a lot of Jedi left. I think uh, we're, we're picking the scraps here. And then if I'm going to give a more wholesome reason, I think it's out of respect for Kanan. She's completing the training of 
Sabine for right, him. Right, because uh, Kanan started to train her with the, with right. the Darksaber. Yeah. Right. I don't think that he was ever calling her Padawan or anything. No. Right. But she, he was at least teaching her, and I think she wanted to continue that. And so out of respect for Kanan and, and Ezra, who she seems to be honoring by using his lightsaber and sort of following his path that he couldn't take. So I'm guessing we'll probably get some more backstory as to their relationship. Yeah, and their, yeah. Their training. We got to. So, yeah. Yeah. As, as we've alluded to, there is no backstory to have right now. This is right. an off screen thing that they've just said in this show. And we're just taking a face value. They were once master and apprentice. Fair enough. Uh, g- considering that they weren't members of uh, sworn members of an order. Right. Right. Yeah. They were just being spiritual, not religious. <laughs> Um, so, uh, in regards to this question of non, uh, or, or people who are coming pretty fresh to this title, uh, Alicia sent forwarded us a Twitter comment of a contact of hers that she said we could, you know, read out. And that reminds me, John, we have to play Alicia's. Yep, uh, I've got it preloaded. Right, just after this. So, which is going to be really deep, nerdy lore stuff. So, for y'all who are big into the deep, uh, lore definitely um, get ready to uh, have some thoughts. Um, but Alicia says that her Royal Blue Highness on that's the screen name uh, at Twitter. Royal Bubbliness. Her Royal Bubbliness, which is at JDite underscore. Anyway, all good. Um, they said, no, I wasn't really confused. Not having seen anything else. I could see references they were making, even though I don't know what they mean. For example, who's Ezra? But I believe we'll find out as the story goes on. I understood nothing about the galaxies, the ancestors who lived there, as it was mentioned in passing, which is even new to fans, technically. I think uh, I think Alicia added that comment. Exactly. Is, she, yeah, yeah, I was yeah. just about to say that. And other than that, I can't think of anything else. Love the introduction of Sabine. What better way to introduce a rebel leader than having them not show up for the governor? Ha ha ha. And the interesting themes around mentorship, relationship dynamics, and patterns. Uh, Soka left both her master and uh, mentor and apprentice. I hope they'll dig into that more. I thought the pacing was slow at certain parts of the story, however. So so there, there's a, at least one data point of, of somebody out in the world who's not familiar with this stuff uh, being able to vibe with this. And yeah. so hopefully the show will do a little bit more work uh, to, to bring everybody in. And if not, hey... There's a great podcast out there that you can listen to <laughs> to explain all this for you. Look, I'll always tell people to watch Rebels because I think it's a great series, but not everybody's one, gonna... yes, you have the yeah, one you have the crash course that we did. And two, I do think that they will do flashbacks and they'll do more exposition as they talk, like, oh, remember when, you know, whatever, whatever they have to do to bring in more character moments and flesh out who Ezra is a little more. Yeah. I, I think they'll get there. Cool. All right. Should we listen to uh, Alicia's lore dump? Let's bring in the lore dump. Do you hear that truck coming in? Hi, Alicia (laughs) here. So excited to finally get an entire show built around one of my two favorite of all Star Wars characters. Um, And obviously Rebels fans are feasting right now. I even got to find out what happened to Ezra's Imperial Academy buddy, Jai Kel, which is a character I genuinely always wondered about. Uh, Apparently, he's thriving as a senator, standing in when Sabine refuses to show up for speeches. Hashtag New Republic goals. But yeah, definitely the thing that got me most excited from these two episodes was the road to Peridea tease. 
Um, I'm assuming Paradea is the purgatory world Ahsoka got trapped in during Rebels, the world between worlds, uh, since the name seems to be taken from Perdita, which is Latin for lost. Um, the imagery in the relics and ruins matches up too, though they actually remind me even more of the Zephonian temples from Jedi Fallen Order. But yeah, this tease of a quote-unquote ancient race from a distant galaxy really has my head spinning. I would think that they were looking for Chiss space because Grand Admiral Thrawn is a Chiss, but that's not a distant galaxy. That's part of the unknown regions, which are almost unnavigable parts of the main galaxy beyond the Outer Rim. And um, what is there is roughly known, but just difficult to explore. Um, now, I've heard lots of suggestions of Rakatan invaders, which are an ancient amphibious species uh, that players of Knights of the Old Republic would know well. Um, they played a bigger role in the legend stories, and Luthen name-dropped them in Andor when he was talking about his relics, but they're also from the Unknown region. Um, there's also Wild Space beyond that, which is where the Lasat homeworld is, and I'm definitely expecting our Lasat friend Zeb to turn up in this story, especially after his Mando cameo. Uh, his Menmio? But this is still technically the same galaxy. The ancient race from another galaxy could be the Yuzon Vong, which is like an orc-like race of warrior religious zealots. Um, and that would make sense because they were a huge threat to the New Republic and legends. So why not bring them into the new canon? But yeah, they abhor mechanical technology and none of this looks like their signature organic tech. Um, another species of interest is the Gree, a cephalopod species known for supernatural space navigation abilities and also known for having discovered Tython, the force-rich planet that may have been the origin of the Jedi Order. But their planet in Legends was in the Outer Rim, thus part of our galaxy. My favorite candidate is the Qua. That's a race with ties to the planet Dathomir, so the Night Sisters. And uh, the Qua were known for making infinity gates for interstellar travel, which seems to be what we're dealing with in Ahsoka. Uh, they eventually shut those down to stop the Rakatan invaders. Um, but there's some suggestion in legends that the Qua might have originally come from another galaxy, though they were mostly associated with Dathomir. Um, honestly, I think we might see any or all of these species starting to trickle into canon more now, or they could just be introducing something totally new. Um, honestly, though, I kind of hope that we're going to Mortis, which is a realm where we met the father, daughter and son in the Clone Wars. It makes sense that the world between worlds would be there. And especially with a Night Sister in the cast and whatever these orange lightsabers are, um, I'm really hoping the series digs deep into Force lore. And maybe at least find out who taught the Night Sisters their force magic. I like that. I like this set of theories. I mean, I, I say that when that was like a thousand things. Right. But um, <laughs> thank you, Alicia. Uh, I'm not familiar with half of the species you brought up there. I do know the Chiss because I read a little bit of the Thrawn books. Uh, but yeah, so Thrawn is a Chiss. And so that's that's one of the speculative parts. But as Alicia points out, there's issues with including the Chiss and other species because of where they are in the galaxy instead of outside of the galaxy. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Maybe they'll do something completely new and that'll be fun. Yeah. But I am with her that I want Zeb and I will be disappointed if we don't see Zeb here because this is Rebel Season 5 and we need Zeb and Rebels. <laughs> Fair enough. At least to make an appearance or to come into, you know, sort of Deus Ex Machina and save the day, right? Right. Come in with a squadron of X-Wings and uh, blast the shit out of some, <laughs> some imps. Exactly. All right, John. Well, I think that about wraps it up. I think we should keep our um, 
notes here for what else is happening uh, on the lore um, hounds network. Pretty straightforward. We just got word that the Dune part two Villeneuve movie has been kicked to 2024. Oh, no. So, I wonder why. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. the AMPTA and the studios are being uh, really nasty, unmentionable things towards the writers and the well the actors and um, they are cynical and money grubbing and decided that they need to keep their pipelines open a little bit further down the road. So, you know, anyway, enough Lovely. said about that. Um, so Alicia will be reorganizing her Dune, the culture of Dune series that she's doing. So she was talking about who Frank Herbert was and how he wrote the books and, you know, uh, how the 84 movie got made and video games and documentaries about um, Dune movies, all of that stuff on her wool shift dust feed. Uh, so check that out, but she's going to be updating her schedule uh, to reflect that, but she still has her wool shift dust book Patreon going as well. So patreon.com slash dust, all one word. If you're into the Wolfshift Dust books and you want to join a book club for that, go check those out. We've also got Properly Howard movie reviews. Steve and Anthony are uh, hilarious and they have a lot of fun talking about pop culture nonsense. And this season of their movie review podcast, they're talking about uh, remake movies they started off with White Men Can't Jump and, hey, another Dune. They did a, the, the Villeneuve Dune Part 1, and we were on that along with Alicia. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, by, uh, let's see, Monday the 28th, Robocop. They're going to cover the 2014 remake. And then after that, The Wolfman, a 2010 remake of uh, the film. They've got a bunch more films in the lineup. Stay tuned for the rest of their season. But... They drop usually on Mondays and I like listening to them when they come out because they just set me up for a good, just to have a good chuckle. It's a good vibe. To start my week off. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Absolutely. I think just for us, for Lorehound stuff, Foundation, Ahsoka, and uh, Wheel of Time. That's all you need to know. (laughs) Head on over to Randland with us. (laughs) That's right. That's 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 what what we're going to be doing for the next month. Yeah. (laughs) It's crazy. Uh, so uh, other than that, John, I don't think we should, uh, um, uh, talk too much. Oh, Skyrim. You've got Skyrim uh, coming. We up, do right? have Skyrim coming at some for point. Play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, we hey. just got feedback for it. So that'll be fun. That's good. Yeah. In August has just been a crazy month in terms of scheduling and life. And you've had a bunch of visitors and stuff like that. So I think we're going to get back once we can settle down into September into a little bit more yeah. of a normal schedule. John. We've only done like 20 podcasts this month. I mean, we're slacking. <laughs> We are. We really are. We gotta not gotta gotta knock the dust off. Gotta get back into the action. <laughs> John, do you have some kind words for our lore master Patreon subscribers and all of our Patreon subscribers? I do, but I accidentally closed out the document already. <laughs> uh, let's leave that in. Let's leave it in. Yes, absolutely, leave it in. May they the force be with all it. our lore masters, Ooh. who I now have the list up for. Can should we tease something too about um, for foundation? Um, no, we'll, no, we'll tease it later. Yeah. Let, yeah, let's just yeah. We, anyway, we've got a surprise coming. We got a surprise yeah, coming. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Carry on. Carry on. You already know it if you're a lore master. That's right. So our lore masters are our top tier patreons. They are keeping the hyperdrive 
running and making sure <laughs> that there's no Imperials looting our podcast. I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> it's getting late. It's, it's, it's getting night. late. Uh, that list is Samartian, Cyrus, Mark H, Michael G, Michelle E, David W, Brian P, Nick W, SC, Peter OH, Bettina W, Adam S, Nancy M, Lavinia T, Duve 71, Brian 8063, Frederick H, Sarah L, Gareth C, Eric F, Matthew M, Sarah M, DJ Miwa, Andra B, Kwang Yu, Laura G, Dead Eye Jedi Bob, and Nathan T. David. Yes. These are these are some supporters. And so heroes. are the heroes rest of, of our the republics. Yes, heroes of the New Republic. And the force knows they need the, the heroes because they're not <laughs> doing very well on oversight. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but yeah. Thank you all for your continued support. It uh, keeps us in good humor and keeps the the bits flowing. And uh, that's very important. If you want podcasts, it's not a free thing. <laughs> so we appreciate you one and all. Yep. All right, David. I'll see you for the next episode. Sounds good. Thanks, John. The Lorehounds podcast is produced and published by The Lorehounds. You can send questions and feedback and voicemails at thelorehounds.com slash contact. Get early and ad-free access to all Lorehounds podcasts at patreon.com slash thelorehounds. And connect with us on Twitter at thelorehounds. Any opinions stated are ours personally and do not reflect the opinion of or belong to any employers or other entities. Thanks for listening. A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond.